0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter fifteen, verses one through eleven. As the book of John, chapter fifteen, verses one through eleven, please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Excited to um, share the word of God with you all this afternoon. Would you join me as we continue to pray? Lord Jesus, would you silence the voices within us so that now that your word is read and as it's being preached we would hear yours. And in hearing, trust and obey. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. My next door neighbor was a computer programmer by day and a gardener slash farmer. during weekends. Now that he's officially retired, he pretty much just gardens and farms. um, His yard, as well as the town, because he um, kind of single-handedly set up this community garden for the town people to use. Spent many weeks setting that up. He's kind of different. He he doesn't plant the typical, like, you know, tomatoes and lettuce and whatever, but in addition to all that, he, grows his own hops for brewing his own beer, as well as he, he uh, raises his own grapes, and he also brews his own wine. He's been doing this for about 20 years. And, you know, usually after he brews his uh, wine, he would throw out the, the leftover uh, grapes and all the fermented stuff in the backyard, and for the next couple of days, we get to enjoy the, the aroma of the wine um, for a couple of days. It's pretty awesome. Um, This spring, however, um, I had a privilege of uh, joining him a little bit in setting up a new grapevine and branches and a trellis. Um, Apparently, he had planted three uh, grapevines between my fence and another neighbor, and uh, he always loves to serve, and he wanted to help get rid of this old nasty fence that's all rusty, as well as also set up this vine that he and his wife had planted last year. Um, in case, you, um, a trellis, because I didn't know what it was at first. A trellis is basically a light-framed uh, wooden bars that mainly is set up to support uh, fruit trees or climbing plants. And of course, he made it by his hands too. And uh, so one Monday, you know, he's, he's working and I, I join him. Um, and I knew I was waiting for that moment when I get to use this in a sermon. So that was like many, many months ago. So I've been kind of holding on to this for a while. And uh, I have a couple of pictures now. This is not the trellis that I set up, but this is uh, his other trellis at the setup that he um, built. And um, if you go to the next screen, so that's a great vine or bunch of vines. And if you see the next screen, this is as of yesterday, Um, all the vines. And now the vines that he, that I assisted in the spring also pretty much looks like him. But I thought I took a picture of the vine before, but I couldn't find it in my phone. Man, iPhones, man. But anyway, I probably didn't save it right. Um, So we, we spent good hour or one and a half hours just um, untangling the you know the branches because uh, the fence was all rusty and the vines were uh, Planted and they were going through these meta- uh, metal um, Fence that we were trying to get rid of and uh, we were cutting the wires these uh, Fences to get rid of and trying to not to damage the branches because we wanted to put them up on the trellis to um, move into the next stage, and you know, we spent a good amount of time—he, his wife, and myself—and after spending a bunch of hours, you know, when I extended the branches, it was like good 10 to 15 feet long, and I'm like, "Wow, this is pretty amazing." And these um, um, branches had these tiny little, you know, grapes, like cluster of grapes, and I'm like, "Wow, it's like this becomes the kind of grape that I'll eat." Eventually, and he'll, he'll begin to tell me, "Well, actually Paul, if you allow all these grapes to grow in the harvest time, it's not going to taste that good." I'm like, "What?" So as we are getting ready to put up the vines and the branches, he began like we spent like literally two hours carefully not damaging these branches. He literally chopped off or pruned good two-thirds of all the branches. And we threw out all these branches with clusters of these baby grapes. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like sad. Like, so what a waste. But I asked him why, because there's a limited amount of resources in the ground. You got to prune them off or else they're not going to taste very sweet. And the wine is not going to taste that good. So we just continued chopping um, those branches and only putting up about a third, maybe not even, he was really gentle to make sure that the original vines were carefully supported, tying them up to the trellis, giving them maximum potential for growth. On my last sermon that I preached many weeks ago, I, we examined the book of Ecclesiastes. Some of us were here, some of us weren't here, but... During that sermon, I spoke about the cycles of season, how there are beginnings and endings. Just like in life, we have, we're coming to an end of a summer, eventually, and fall season will start. In life, there are beginnings and endings. And it's a necessary part of life cycle. It is natural, but we have a hard time accepting that. And depending on our family of origin, how we handled, how we were modeled with that kind of stuff, would have easier time embracing, seeing endings as as an entry point to a new beginning. I'd like for us to continue in that um, today as we look at pruning as a metaphor for necessary endings for the sake of greater fruitfulness in God's kingdom. Now, if you think about pruning, it makes sense, like you cut off the dead branches. I mean, um, yeah, that's easier, we get that. You, you wanna remove the dead branches so the healthy ones would have space to, to grow. You literally need physical space. If you're restricted, plants can't grow, right? Second part also makes sense, when, when you have sick branches, you also wanna cut them off because either they, you know they can't get better and they're just taking up space and taking nutrients, so you need to just prune them. I did as much as I could to try to not damage those branches that were weaved through the fences, but you know, like I couldn't help but damage a bunch. If I knew that we're gonna lop off two-thirds, I, would I wouldn't have been so careful, but then again, he and his wife were super careful even all, all through that time, but you know, it also makes sense that things that are really going to bear fruit, you prune them. But the part that was hardest for me to really receive was the part when you look at the good branches that have these little fruit that are budding. And it was really counterintuitive for me, as someone who's never done it before. It's like, you leave them alone, let them grow. No, it's like you prune them off because they're not going to be very delicious. They're not going to be good fruits if you leave them alone and allow all of them to grow. Dr. Henry Cloud defines the pruning moment in one of his books as this, that clarity of enlightenment when we become responsible for making the decision to own the vision or not. If we own it, we have to prune it. If we don't, we have decided to own the other vision, whatever that might be, right? The one we call average. If you and I embrace this biblical understanding of stewardship that what God has given us, as Pastor Esther spoke briefly before we took the offering and gave up God's tithes, if we really embrace that you and I are temporary managers of God's blessings, and we need to manage them God's way for God's glory, then we can't squander. We have to steward well, manage well. So let me ask us this basic question. In our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our pursuit of professional lives, in our studies, in our church lives, what are the dead things that's taking space? that needs to go. It's hard. Especially if you invested a lot into it already. If you already gave a lot of resources, lots of attention and love, it's really hard to let dead things die. Actually, they're already dead, but recognize and acknowledge and just remove them. I know that. What are the sick things in our lives that needs to be pruned. And perhaps, at least for me, one of the hardest things. what are the good things that are not the best things? That's growing, that is good, adding value, but perhaps not the best. What necessary endings might God the Father the gardener, in our lives be trying, in his infinite wisdom and love, trying to prune in our lives. When we come to today's passage, it's kind of cool that Pastor Esther preached this passage months ago, and Pastor Eugene um, spoke last Sunday. Right after this section, and I get to preach today. Jesus, uh, and you know, Pastor Esther and Pastor Eugene mentioned it all, but just to uh, reiterate some of the things again, this is, you know, leading to really the Last Supper. This is Jesus' last teachings with his disciples as he's about to be crucified. He has been speaking about how he is God, the great I am statements I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Here, I am the vine. You have Jesus, the Son of God, who is the true vine, God himself. And you have God, the Father, who is the vine dresser, the one who tends the vine and the one who prunes. And the branches, and Jesus, as he speaks, those that don't bear fruit, the Father prunes. Now, the purpose of pruning is to bear abundant fruit, to bear fruit. You you prune them, you cut them, those dead things those damaged hurt things and even good things so that we bear fruit when jesus speaks about pruning to bear fruit though he's really also talking about pruning and making clean pruning is really about cleaning and cleansing the word actually is from the same root the 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 verb to prune as well as the adjective clean are from the same word, different forms. So, pruning is really about bearing fruit essentially by removing things that are not necessary, cleaning. And this is what the Father does. But the reality of our human condition is that pruning, it hurts. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get confused. Thinking hurting, excuse me, and harm are the same. Hard truths often hurt, but they can be used to make me, make us grow. Harm, however, damages the person. We pay money to go see dentists who inflict pain some longer, some shorter. Some does a better job of putting those novocaine. Some not so good job. But we get the service of inflicting temporary pain because we know that it will lead to long-term dental hygiene. Not all pain is harmful. Pain is pain and pruning. But the long-term health and fruitfulness is what God is after. But how do you discern what is, like, wishful thinking versus, like, real hoping? It's like, Pastor Paul, how do I know if I'm just, you know, just wasting time for something that's not going to actually actualize, or if this is really about hope that is based on something? Dr. Cloud um, talks about how, you know, he's a Christian psychiatrist, and he talks about how people do wake up and change. However, we need to look for objective reasons to hope for that kind of change. And these are four practical things to keep in mind. Um, One, there's got to be an admission of the need for change. The confession. Agreement. And usually, it can't just be to God in privacy. It needs to be to a person so that it doesn't stay in secret. So it begins with this admission of need for change. And second, there's gotta be verified involvement in the change process itself. If you're an alcoholic, saying that I'm gonna get help just verbally even to a person is not gonna be enough. Gotta to go to an AA meeting where you're getting yourself involved. Whatever issue that you, you, you believe God is speaking that Father is trying to prune in our lives, whether if, if that requires seeing a doctor, you need to go actually meet with that doctor. You need to actually see that trainer, see that coach, see that mentor and do something and get involved. And the third is actually gaining new experiences and skills so that you're not repeating the same thing that you've been doing by yourself, whether for a year, five years, ten years. You know, one of the hardest things that I see in people who are married who have marital conflicts is they do the same thing for like ten years, and they think they've tried and given their best, but they've done the same thing over and over, that's not really working out for 10 years and they're exhausted. You gotta bring someone else in who is really able to add new skills and new perspective to help them in that journey. And fourth is their other external support, other people, community that's surrounding that person to really effect that kind of change because we can't do it alone. If we don't see these kind of signs, then it really becomes a wishful thinking. Because there's no substance to really believe that change and transformation is possible. But if you see these things happening in that person, as he or she is saying, I want to change, then you're not just like crossing your fingers and hoping that they'll actually change, but there are real substantive things to base that hope in. It is a vine dresser, who prunes? He knows what fruitfulness looks like. I had no idea what fruitfulness looks like in terms of vines and grapes. So I was thinking all the branches that, you know, 10, 15 long branches of vines and little cluster of grapes, we're gonna just put them up. I had no idea that we're gonna chop them off, most of them. Because the experienced vine dresser knows what they're looking for and what it will require. So if you don't know what you're looking for, then you don't know what to do. If he hadn't been there, I would have put all of that up and it would be a royal mess. And whatever that end up harvesting would be just nasty looking tiny grapes that are not sweet at all, that probably wouldn't be usable to make any sort of wine. It will just look at it and say, how cute, and then you'll have to throw them out. What in our lives are dead? taking up space, and maybe you have a lot of emotional attachment, and you've invested a lot, and you feel like it's such a waste to stop, but it's even greater waste to keep on pouring resources, time, energy into something that you know it's not gonna grow, it's dead. In what areas of our lives might God be speaking Challenging you and me. What areas in our lives are sick and are not getting well? And some of this is hard. Maybe it might be our businesses, people and significant relationships, dealing with conflict, emotional issues, dreams that we've been pursuing. I know people who are applying for PhD programs for the 10th time going to the 11th year, at what point do you say, I know people who've been running their small business for seven, 10 years, still not making profit, and saying, and perhaps the hardest part, what are the good areas in our lives that God might be challenging you and me to prune? Now, don't, don't get me wrong, these are good things. But when we channel all the resources to good things, it prevents us from getting to the greatest thing. Some of us are doing a lot of great things, but some of us are also doing a lot of good things, perhaps spread a little too thin. And what happens is, in due time, we come to fruition, but like those grapes that, while the resources and nutrients are overly spread, and it's not the best you can be. As church gathered and scattered, and looking towards next week's um, election of new deacons, my prayer for our church for our members who'll be voting and our nominees who'll be running is that we really humbly seek out and pray for our church and be courageous enough to examine what are these areas that perhaps our heavenly father might be challenging our church so that we can bear fruit, the kind of fruit that gives God the greatest glory. And that, might require us as leadership to begin that journey of looking at things that are dead or dying, have very little prospect, even good things that we've been doing. What are those things that we need to prune so that we can be the kind of church that gives God the greatest glory in his kingdom? Jesus says in John 15 that true fruitfulness is what we are seeking, going for. Biblical Jesus-centered fruitfulness occurs when we abide in Jesus. We can only bear fruit if we abide in him. And Jesus teaches us if we abide in him and his words abide in us, we can ask whatever we wish and it will be given to us because of that intimacy, proximity, this abiding is about vital union, like the way a branch is connected to the vine. And Jesus tells us that his words has to abide in us. And if we don't keep Jesus' words, if we don't keep his commandments, then we're not really abiding in him. Now, bearing fruit brings glory to the Father, and bearing fruit proves that we are Christ's disciples, that we are pruned and made clean by Jesus' words. Pruning, if you think about it, is really about the process of sanctification. If we abide in him, we listen to his word. If we obey his words, then we can't help but allow his words to challenge the things in our lives that are dead. Because let's face it, at least for me, I don't engage those areas because I'm usually afraid. But if we really really are secure in Christ, if we really listen to the word of God, if we really say yes to Christ and his words, And it gives us courage to look at those areas in our lives. Yes, we may have invested a lot of time, energy, and resource, but they're dead. And because of his strength, we are courageous enough to begin allowing God the Father to prune those areas out. And those sick areas that are not gonna get better, as we trust in the word of Christ, we garner the courage to Allow the Heavenly Father to prune those areas. And perhaps the hardest part, as we say yes to Christ and His words, and as we say yes to Him, God would grant us the courage to even prune those good places so that we would bear greatest fruit for His kingdom. But ultimately, it's about the process of sanctification, making us more like Christ, as we listen to his word, as we abide in him, God will grant you and me a greater courage to look at those dead, sick, and yes, even those good areas so that we would bear fruitful lives for his glory. What are the areas in your life? What are the areas... In our church life, that God would be speaking. Let's pray.